for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, on the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited. Everybody say invited. Right. Learned that last week. You invite Jesus, he'll come. Right? Yes. How many know Jesus will do the dishes with you? Huh? He'll invite you wherever you're at. So they were invited. The reason he came to the wedding is because he was invited. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, contained 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. That's 180 gallons. Well, that's significant. 180. Think about 180. 180. Everybody say 180. 180. So God don't want you to do a 360 when you repent. He wants you to do a 180, all right? And they filled them up to the what? Brim. And he said to them, draw some of it now, now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that it was made wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sends out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs. Everybody say signs. You think, well, this is a miracle. You know, John records that there's seven miracles, eight miracles that Jesus did and, and, uh, in this in this passage, in, 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 his, in his gospel. But he, he lets you know in John chapter 20 that that's not all the miracles that Jesus did. He says that if they did all the miracles that Jesus did with his disciples, there would be not enough books to contain it. And so these, these miracles were signs that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God and that you might have life. Signs, you know, sign, the, the, the message is in the miracle. Say, so we hear the miracle and we think, wow, that's great. But there's a deeper sign. There's a sign. There's a revelation. There's a point and there's a principle in the miracle. There's a message in the miracle. Just like that sign points out if there's a fire or if there's a catastrophe, we run out that door, right? Because the sign is pointing towards that door. These miracles are signs to point to the deeper principles that God has for us. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So these are the beginning of Jesus, the signs that Jesus did in Canaan and Galilee. It manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Do you believe in Jesus? Huh? Are you here today because it's just the thing to do on Sunday? To show up to a bless me club? Is that what it is to you? Or do you believe that he is the Christ? All right? He's the anointed. You know what Christ means? That's not Jesus' last name. That means that he's the anointed one. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that he has anointed me. Amen. You got to believe 
folks, that Jesus is God. The triune of Godhead. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, the Word was God. He is not a God, He is the God. And we need to believe that. We need to, we need to receive that. And His disciples believed in Him. And He went down to Capernaum, He and His mother's brothers and disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Hallelujah. You know, the title of this message is The Promise is in the Process. Turn to your neighbor and says, the process precedes the promise. <laughs> Turn to the other neighbor, you know what you neglected? Huh? And say, you're in a process. Say, so you and I are in a process. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You know, have y'all ever gone to a restaurant? You go to a restaurant and you bring some friends, you bring some family. And you're sitting there and you're dining with, and you order an appetizer. How many of you like to order appetizers before the entree comes out? I'm, I'm an appetizer guy, all right? I like fried pickles, all right? All right? Pastor Arthur's told on himself, I love fried pickles. How many of you like those bacon-wrapped shrimp with the cheese, huh? Huh? How about chicharrones? Is that how you say it? Something like that, huh? Fried the pork skins. Dip it in cheese. I mean, there's all kinds of things, and, and the appetizer is to stimulate your appetite, right? How many of though that you've been sitting there and you're eating your appetizer, what, whatever it might be? Shrimp cocktail? I'm going to try to get you hungry here this morning. I'm not talking about that translucent shrimp. I'm talking about the meaty shrimp, right? With a little English bay on it. Hey, man. How many of you like that, but you're enjoying that, and as you're enjoying that, how many had a waiter or waitress come up and bring your entree before you finish the, the appetizer? And what do you do with that appetizer? Wolf it down, you know, fast as you can. Oh, yeah, you know, Pastor Arthur shoving four or five fried pickles down in his mouth, fried mushrooms and a shrimp, you know, so they can sit down the entree. Or we do this, we shove it to the side, right? Don't finish the appetizer because we're going to make room. The entree is here. We're going to do that. You know, I think we do that as pastors and preachers and teachers and speakers. And sometimes that while we're yet chewing on what God has brought us, a word, a meal, that many times we can come along as a pastor or preacher or teacher and shove another plate while you're still chewing. Amen. How many know that the blessed man, blessed woman is a person who meditates on the word of God? Huh? And, and it's not that I'm not giving you something the following week that's something different that's from God. It's that maybe we need to still chew on something. That's why we are in John chapter 1. I mean John chapter 2. We're reading the whole story again. I thought we heard about this. Yeah, we run out of wine. We heard all about this. But to meditate, how many know what that means in the Hebrew? Doesn't mean go, hum, that's not it. Cross your legs and do that? No. What it means to meditate in the Hebrew means to chew. Like an animal chewing on the cud. Have you ever watched a cow or cows or cattle? I've been around them. And if you watch them, they take in large quantities of grass. Have you ever noticed that? Watch them next time. They're just like, rip, rip, rip. rip. But you see them take it all in, but you never see them chew or swallow. I'm like, are you going to swallow? I mean, they're just ripping that grass and ripping that. Watch them. 
They take in large quantities, but this is what a cow does, and this is what God wants you to do with his word. How many later on see a cow, got her legs crossed, tucked under, she's laying down in the pasture, and she's going like this. Now, you know what she's doing? Chewing on the cud. Now, how many of you already had your breakfast? I'm going to go ahead and try and make this as quick as possible, all right? What is a cow doing when she chews on the cup? She has four stomachs. What she does is she takes in large quantities of that grass. She brings it in one stomach. She regurgitates it, brings it back up. She chews it back some more. She swallows it, goes into another stomach, regurgitates it, comes back up. And she chews on it tomorrow. Till the, finally the process that the grass becomes the cow. The, grass the cow takes the grass and it becomes the cow. God wants you to do that with his word. When you hear the word, sometimes we hear the word, we think, we milked that all. We got all of that. But there's so much more. How many of you know you can't exhaust God's word? Oh, man, there's no height or depth or end to it. To God's word. So we are going to go through this today and see, we're going to chew. Tell your neighbor and say, we're going to chew. It's time to chew. Chew on the word. You know, that doesn't mean just read. I hear people that tell me or have said this in the past, Pastor, I read my whole Bible in one year. Well, well, well good for you. But do you get anything out of it? Huh? You don't read the whole word in a year just for the sake of reading it. But do you get anything out of it? You know what's better to do? To chew is to take a scripture, take some passages, and bring it back up like that cow. For instance, here's, here's one. Hebrews uh, 11 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know how to chew on that? Faith can create substance. Faith is substance. Faith can create substance to things hoped for. If you don't have hope, faith bring the substance. Hope is the address that faith brings substance to. You better have hope. Because if you don't have hope, faith don't know where to bring the substance to. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means you don't have to see it to know that's going to happen. See? That's chewing. That's chewing. God is, you must believe that God exists. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but you must know that he exists and he's rewarded those who diligently seek him. If you seek God, he'll reward you if you diligently seek the Lord. Amen. That's chewing. That's chewing, and that's, that's, that's what God wants us to do. So today, we, we went through this last week, this first miracle, and I'm thinking, what is the significance of wine? And you'll hear all these theologians and scholars are like, why wine? Why wine? Why did he come to a wedding? Why did he come to a wedding? Because he was invited. He was invited. Did you know that God will do some things that even though they might be insignificant, he'll do it just because he loves you? Amen. Do you, do you believe that God loves you? I think that sometimes that we think that we only, gotta bring the, we only can bring the big things to God. That's got to be big, giant, before I bring it to him. But he's, he, he's involved in the little things. He sees the little things. He sees the sparrow when it falls. Amen. 
I mean, you can buy two sparrows for a penny. And he says, what value is a sparrow? But your heavenly father sees them. He's been to every funeral that a sparrow's had. He's there. He's there. Here's what I want you to see here today. Jesus is at a wedding because he's invited. Mary comes up because there's a dilemma. They ran out of wine. You think, you know, I'm thinking, Jesus, your first miracle? How about open the blind eyes of a man? How about raising a person up that's lame all their life? Why do we have to feel like you need to do a miracle to supply beverages and refreshments at a wedding? That just doesn't seem significant. But it was a dilemma to them. It was a crisis to them. And Jesus responds and says, woman, mom, mom, what does this have to concern me? It's not my time. Everybody say time. God has timing. Did you know that? It wasn't that Mary didn't ask. It's not that somebody didn't ask. It's not that God did not know. Jesus knew before she asked. Because Jesus knows. God knows. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Listen, God doesn't, he's not figuring these things out as he goes. He knows the plans he has for you, declares the Lord. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Not of evil, but of hope and a future and expected end. See, God has a plan for every one of you here this morning. Did you know that? Did you know that you're here because God wanted you here? Did you know that you did not come from your parents? You came through your parents, but you actually came from God. He, he formed you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He had a plan for you. He has a plan for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're good plans. Plans with a hope and a future. See, Jesus is not trying to figure these things out. It doesn't, it doesn't fly by the seat of his pants. It's not that he's relying on his own instinct. He knows. He knows what you need of before you even pray. But you still got to ask, right? You got to ask, seek, and not. So it's not that they didn't ask. It's not that he didn't know. It's because he said it's not the right time. Say time again. See, God's timing. It, it, it might not be that the answer that you've asked, you got a promise. You got a promise of God. You've been believing for a promise of God. How many of you been believing for a promise of God? And it hadn't happened yet. It hadn't manifested yet, right? It might not be that he's saying no. Could it be that it's just not the right time? Huh? Maybe he is, it's not the right time. Because there has to be a process. There has to be a process. Did you know that? Do you know there's two parts to your miracle? In every miracle, there's two parts. Your part, what you do in faith, and your act of believing, and acting in faith, and walking in faith, that is, that's your part, but there's also a part, God's part. But there's two parts. And we have to be working together. There's a process. Everybody say process. Now, nobody likes that word process. Hmm? Let, let me give you, the, let me give you a, a definition of process. This is Webster's Dictionary, okay? Merriam-Webster. Process. A series of actions 
say actions, that produce something or lead to a particular result. Let's soak on that a minute. A series of actions. That means works, right? That means doing something that produces something or leads to a particular result. Here's one I want you to catch here this morning. Process always precedes promise. When they ran out of wine, they told Jesus they ran out of wine, what did he tell his disciples to do? Go fill up the pots. Process. Go do something. Process. See, we, we don't like process. We like promises. The promises of God are yes and amen. Hallelujah. We love that. We preach promises, but we don't preach process. Amen. We don't preach people to process. And the problem is, is we come every Sunday and we hear the promises of God. They're yes and amen, but we go home to process. We show up at work to process. We go through process and we don't know how to deal with the process. But to every miracle, there's a process. Jesus said to them, go fill up 180 gallons of water in stone pots. They didn't turn on the hose bib and filled it up. Fill it up. They drew water and carried water. 180 gallons of water times 8.34 a gallon. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of struggle. So we, we don't want process. We, you know, we don't, 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 we want the promise. We want it now. We want to pull up to the drive-thru and say, Jesus, give me a number one and give it now and supersize it. That's how we do. I think we got so used to technology. Microwaves. I remember when the microwave came out. Back in the 70s, I think about 1977, me and my folks got a microwave, and I ran to school and I said, man, you can cook an egg in 20 seconds. I was so excited. I was excited. Well, all you could do, if you put it in there too long, is it's going to blow up. It's going to explode. It was such new technology. But now I look at my microwave, and I yell at it. Hurry up! How many of you are guilty? And this shows you what kind of pig we can be if we're left to ourselves. If the Lord left us to ourselves, how many of you put something in for two minutes and you can't wait? Huh? Oh, it's warm enough. Click. Open it up. Half of it's frozen. Half of it's steaming hot, lava hot, burns your tongue, right? Because we can't wait. We can't wait for the process. We don't want the process. Man, I mean, that's how we want that kind of Christianity. Microwave process. But God says, No. Sometimes you get things from the Lord like that with her faith, but sometimes God wants you to go through the crock pot. Hmm? Man, I'm going to tell you what, crock pot cooking is so much better. Huh? How many of y'all like Thanksgiving? Do you want me to cook your Thanksgiving turkey in a microwave? Huh? Warm it all up. Let me tell you what I like about Thanksgiving is the traditions that have been passed down for generations from granddaddies and grandmas, from apple pies and pecan pies, stuffing, this kind of stuffing, all that sage smelling up the house. And it doesn't happen in 15 minutes, right? It's an all day process. You cook all day. You cook all, you start 
in the morning, sometimes the night before, and that, that, that smell, I, I, it just floods the whole house, and you're like, it's something about slow and low, amen? It's so good, is that cooking? How many of y'all barbecue? You got any barbecues in here? Huh? Pastor Arthur likes to barbecue brisket. Now, brisket, cheap piece, uh, piece of, well, it's not cheap anymore with the price of beef. But it's a cheaper cut, let's say that. Brisket, you can put it on about 350, 400, cook it, in about a few hours, five or six hours, you, you get in it, you bite into it, and it's no good. It's like, just like eating your shoe, all right? Tougher than a boot with that kind of flavor of a shoe, okay? But how many of you know that to cook a brisket right, you got to cook it low and slow? 250 degrees. Keep it at 250 degrees. And while you cook it, it's going to take hours. Because that cheap piece of meat that's full of muscle and tendons, it's got to break down. You got to break down the fats. There's a process to cooking a brisket and then doing it right. When you cook a brisket about the sixth hour, it'll reach up at about 165 degrees and it gets in the stall mode. It's in the stall mode and it sits there. You know why it's in the stall mode and the temperature don't go up any higher? Because the fat is melting down. It's actually cooling the temperature of the brisket. So for hours there, you're being in a stall mode. Can you relate? You know where I'm going with this? Could it be that you're in the stall mode? God's got you in the oven. God's cooking some things. God, there's a process going on. God knows exactly what temperature. Oh, God, don't put me in the oven. If need be, you've been grieved by fiery trials. God knows the temperature. He knows the timing. He knows it all. He, he's ordered your steps. And for that brisket to break down, it's got to go through that stall mode. And man, I'm not patient with it. I stick that thermometer in. Still 165. It's almost eight hours. This is only a 12-pound brisket. Break down, break down, break down. Then finally, it gets to 175, 185. Let me tell you where to get it off at. About 200 degrees. 205, pull it off, wrap it up, stick in the ice chest, let it rest. Amen. Man, that's a word for somebody here this morning. That, that you're going through a process. Amen. How many of y'all already ride horses ever? I used to have a mare. Woo! You didn't ride her for a while, she'd buck you. <laughs> I get her in a round pen, and I mean, she start pitching and bucking, you know. And so, what do I do? You think, Pastor Arthur, you get the reins and whip her? No, I get her in a round pen, and I run her. And one that I was trying to break her spirit, but I was trying to teach her to submit. See, God will ride you too. You start bucking God, God will put you in the round pen. Amen? He'll let you run some laps. See, it's not that God wants to break your spirit. It's not that God doesn't want you to have a free will. He wants your free will to submit to his will where you say, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Amen. That's what God wants. So sometimes God will do that. He'll run you in the round pan of life. It's a process. Everybody say process. process. See, we, we, we preach 
promises, but we don't preach process. You know what we don't? You know what we want? And a, a lot of churches do this. You know what they're looking for? Formulas, huh? We're looking for formulas. We're looking for methods. We're like, and let me just because there's some confusion to this in the church because people think, well, I did the method that it, it, it worked back two years ago this way, and why is it not working now? Because God is not confined to methods. You know that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he can change his methods. He can heal you by laying, he healed one person by laying his hands on them. Then he can take clay and spit on it and put it in your eye. So you can't nail, just like God has his resurrection power, you can't nail him down in the coffin, he'll resurrect him. You can't put him in a box. We, we want formulas. We don't want process. We want formulas, Right? Click my heels three times and say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. That's not it. Tell your neighbor and say, Dorothy, it's a process. It's not a formula. It's not a formula. It's not, you know, I want to be moving with God in the new move of God. Praise God for the old move. But I want to keep up with him in the new move. Doesn't mean that his, that his principles change, but maybe sometimes his methods change. Amen. And to be able to do that is that you've got to transform your mind. How many know that's a process? That's the wine changing from water to wine. That's a picture of transformation. When they carried the water, those heavy jugs of water, those cisterns of water, it was still water. It didn't become better water. The guy didn't taste it and says, oh, this is enhanced wine, flavor, water. No. How many of y'all drink that stuff at the store at H-E-B? Not wine. I'm talking about enhanced pineapple water, <laughs> coconut water. It wasn't that. It transformed. Everybody say transformed. It went from water to wine. And it wasn't just any old wine. It was the best wine. See, God wants to do that with your life. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is the perfect and acceptable and complete will of God. Amen. You got to transform your mind so you know where God says you go through the door. When he tells you it's the right time. When he gives you the nod. The nod from God. You had to transform your mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. Huh? It tickles me on January 1st, New Year's Day, everybody's got New Year's resolutions. You know what I'm talking about? They think they're going to become a new person in a new year. No, you're the old person in a new year if you don't change your mind, if you don't change your behavior. Your marriage is not going to change to better if you go buy a new house. It's still going to be an old marriage and a new house. You're not going to change as a person going by a new car. You'll just be an old person in a new car. Transformation has to take place. How does it take place? By hearing this word of God, 
about renewing your mind. And God's not going to bulldoze you over and say, you need to renew your mind. He doesn't come along and bulldoze you over and say, you need to do this. It's whose responsibility? You're responsible for the process. God tells you what to do, and he tells you to do it, and then you have to be, be obedient in doing it and walking it out. The process, transforming your mind, renewing your mind, that you may know the complete, acceptable, perfect will of God. See, God's trying to get you somewhere. But the, the place to get it, he want to get where he wants to get you, you got to go through the process. That's why David said, it was good that I was afflicted. Who says that today? It was good that I was afflicted that I might know your statutes, that I might know your principles. See, you might be carrying water, heavy water. You're in the process, or God's got you in the round pen, or God's got you in the crock pot. And you know what? God is breaking that down in you and is changing you. You know why? Because we need to forgive one another. Forgive. As Christ has forgiven you, you forgive others. Amen? Someone say, I can't, I can't forgive them. Well, you need to go through the process. You need to go through some hate. You need to go through some trials. Why do I need to go through some hate? Because the dross needs to come to the top. So you be refined like fine gold and be used for a vessel for the master's table, <laughs> the dross needs to come out. If you're still carrying water, complaining, murmuring, and I can't say that word. You need to go through, some of you just got that. You need to go through the process. See, count it all joy when you go through trials. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. Knowing this, what do we know? That the testing of your faith, the testing of the process of going through the faith produces patience, endurance, love, joy. Well, God's trying to produce patience. I'm a patient person. See, God wants you in the midst of trials, in the midst of the process, to be steady. Steady, Eddie. Hmm? Patience is not the ability to wait. Patience is the attitude while you're waiting. That's biblical patience. We all got to wait. Running to go get the kids and take them to school. Pull up to the railroad track. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. This happened yesterday. Going to a game. Coming through. Humble. All of a sudden, train. Not moving. Stuck. I'm like, oh. Because I knew what the process was to get to where I needed to get to. I needed to go find a bypass over the railroad track. And it wasn't right there. It wasn't convenient for me. But God is, that's, that's the deal. He's, he's trying to change us. He's trying to, you know what? If, if what we need is endurance, the Bible says. And, and he, he'll reward us. We'll receive the reward. It'll manifest when we learn to be steady, when we learn to be obedient. When they carried the water, it didn't say, I mean, they probably stumbled, and you probably stumbled. And that's where you learn about yourself, and that's what you learn about God. 
It's not from mountaintop to mountaintop. It's down in the valley. It's in the process that you learn about yourself and you learn about God. That's where the dross comes up when the heat's on. <laughs> Can we be honest with ourselves? We need some change. We need some transformation. Huh? We, we, there's a process. There's a process. Let's all stand up to our feet. Does this help anybody here this morning? Hallelujah. And listen, when I give it to you, God's given it to me. I've already had dealt with this. Man, I, I, and it's, it's, it's not God's condemning you. He's trying to bless you, bless you and I. He's trying to get you in the position that you can get the wine. Huh? Good. He, he said, first you've got to carry some water, Pastor Arthur. Huh? Everything's a process. King David, he was a king, but he was hiding in caves. Process. Before he killed a giant in the public, he had to kill the lion and the bear in the private. Process. Before Joseph becomes second command governor of all of Egypt, he had to go through a process. He's not ready at 17. He says, I see the sun and stars. I had a dream, and the sun and stars bowed down before me. He wasn't ready. He had to go through a process. He went into the prison. He was falsely accused. He was rejected. See, some of you have been rejected, and the devil's been lying to you and telling you're not going to make it. You're not going to get your wine. You're never going to get to your promised land because you're going through a process. God is a God of process. God wants to. It's, it's, it's not that his timing is slow. It's that we, we just got to cook sometimes. We got to break down. We got to be more conformed to his image. We were singing that song about give me Jesus, give me Jesus. That's what the world wants. They don't want another scripture. They don't want, they don't want another. They want to see Jesus. I remember they told Philip that these people came up to Philip and said, Philip, we would like to see Jesus. Are people seeing Jesus in your life at your work? wherever you, games, your recreations, or, or wherever you're at. Are, are your children seeing Jesus where you're at? Huh? We want to see Jesus. You know what they want to see? They want to see the love. They want to see forgiveness, that you forgive. That you're not always easily offended. You're not always tripping over people's actions. They want to see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to know that they can be with Jesus. They see that you've been with Jesus and they want to be with Jesus. That's what they want. To show compassion, they want to see the love. They want to see that God's even in the little things. You got theologians that say, why did he go do that with the wine? Why did he go to a wedding? Because he's a compassionate savior. Amen. He's a loving Savior. He loves us. I think if it matters to you, it matters to Him. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And subscribe to the Velocity YouTube channel. To find out about service times, visit us at velocitybrenham.org. We hope to see you soon.